Pastor Ray Bentley says reading God's Word will change how we think. And when His thoughts become your thoughts, then your emotions become His emotions. And then His will becomes your will. And you have strength to do what you could never do on your own. You have strength and power by the presence of the Holy Spirit to walk in the truth and to walk in a way that is pleasing unto Him. Hallelujah. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel for the whole world. Putting on the mind of Christ should be one of the preeminent daily goals of our lives. It should be our objective to think the way Jesus thinks, to see people through His eyes of compassion and mercy. But so often that's a challenge in the pressure cooker world we live in. Well, we'll get some help today as Pastor Ray begins. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. The title of the message is Beautiful Mercy. It says, the disciples of John, so that would be the disciples of John the Baptist, and of the Pharisees were fasting. And then they came to him and said, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So this is beautiful as Jesus teaches us here about true spirituality. And as you notice here in your notes, Jesus says, Life for those who follow Christ, is to be like a wedding feast. And as I put here also in your notes, holiness and happiness go together. So this is a very interesting time where now Jesus has already caused an earthquake spiritually in the little village really of Capernaum and the little fishing villages on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. He is teaching, quoting no one. He's teaching with authority. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he describes it as if he had firsthand knowledge. He speaks of heavenly things, divine things. He reveals mysteries. And then as mysterious and powerful and anointed as his messages are, it is followed by signs and wonders and demonstrations of miracles and healings and of demons flying and fleeing away, acknowledging him. Even the spiritual realm acknowledges him. So this has stirred everything up, and now there are some of the religious leaders who are following Jesus, but they're really more interested in trapping him. And now, but here's what's interesting. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples, and <laughs> what was it like? The contrast that I want to describe is, what was it like to be one of Jesus' disciples? What was Jesus like? What was his demeanor? And I would suggest to you that uh, there was a lot of joy and a lot of happiness, a lot of um, smiling. Uh, how can you not see people healed and not be filled with joy? You know, men and women that were crippled and now walking and leaping and praising God. 
They were filled with joy and with happiness and they were excited and they were ecstatic and it was new and it was fresh and it was liberating and it was enjoyable. And I see Jesus everywhere he goes. He himself is smiling. He's opening uh, uh, his heart to everyone and he gets invited to places uh, to come. He gets invitations to meals and he goes. He's hanging out with, and I would love to see Jesus' face. <laughs> and the contrast, because he enjoyed being surrounded by all kinds of sinners and nefarious characters. Jesus is going to make a point here that if you follow me as the Messiah and the spirit of the Lord that is upon me, I will lead you to continuous joy. So Jesus says, I have come as a bridegroom. John pointed to me and he said that I am the one that was to come. He is a bridegroom. Now look at me in verses 21 and 22. So Jesus talks about being that heavenly bridegroom. Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Verse 20, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. Now no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Jesus came and he says, look, I didn't come to patch up the old, the old ways of doing and the old ways of thinking and the old ways of behaving. I've come to give new. I'm starting brand new. I have new wine. Wine is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. I'm giving new wine and it goes into new wineskins. You have to be open and flexible. We all of us have preconceived ideas but we can, through the word of God, be open to seeing new things that we've never seen before. Amen? Jesus came, if you want to write this down in your notes, Jesus came for three things. Number one, to save sinners, not to call the righteous. <laughs> and number two, he came to bring joy, not sadness. And number three, he came to bring a new way of seeing, not to patch up the old ways. He came to bring something fresh and he came to bring something absolutely new. He came to bring what is called in the Bible the new covenant through his blood, what he has done for us. I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourselves. It is not about us holding on to the Lord. It is about us coming to the place where every moment and every day I'm reminded he's holding on to me. He's got me. He's holding me. It is not about how much I can become spiritual to love him before first realizing how much he loves me. And therefore, my love for him is merely a reflection of the love. It begins with God here in his love. Not that we love God, but that God first loved us and gave us his son as a propitiation, a sacrifice for our sins. He came to bring a new covenant. And in the new covenant, he says, I will write my law now, not on tablets of stone, as I did in the old covenant. I'm gonna write my will on the fleshly tablets of your heart. 
I'm gonna give you the desires that I have. I'm gonna give you my heart. I'm gonna give you my nature. I'm gonna give you my spirit. I'm gonna give you my eyes. I'm gonna give you my ears. I'm going to give you my thoughts, which are higher than your thoughts, but through my word, my law, I'm gonna put it into you so that you and I are like father and son, father and daughter. I will do it in you and through you. And you will feel my presence and my strength. God can do, he can do anything by himself, he's God. But he loves to do it through his sons and daughters. In fact, a father's glory is in his sons and daughters. They can do what I do. So the Lord came with Moses in the book of Exodus. God didn't need Moses. He could have just had all the people stand over here and watch me and he comes and he parts the Red Sea. But what does he do? He says, hey, Moses, come here, son. He goes, I'm gonna have you do what I can do. Now Moses knew he couldn't part the Red Sea, but if my father tells me to do it, and I do it, and he does it through me, it can happen. He goes, here son, I'm gonna give you this staff. You take that staff, which is representative in your physical ability for you to see, I've given you power and authority, just like you're the shepherd. I'm the shepherd, my son's a shepherd. You take that staff and you just point at the water and I want you to speak to it, but I will be with you and in you. It's very interesting as I'm reading through the story of Exodus how God says to Moses, when you speak, you will be as God to Pharaoh. God could have just spoke directly to Pharaoh, but he wanted to speak through Moses. He wanted to speak through his son. And so God speaks through his son, Jesus Christ, to you and I. So it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that fills us with joy, the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord inside of us. Now I put a scripture here, Romans chapter eight, verses one through four. I know it's kind of long, but I'd like for you to read through that with me. Let's read it out loud, shall we? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The Holy Spirit, the moment you ask Christ in you, he comes inside of you. And, and so growing in Christ is learning how to not live in my own strength. The Bible is, does not say Jesus was perfect. Now, you go out and do your very best to try to be like him. There's something even better than that. Jesus is in you. And therefore, learning what it is to be a Christian is letting Jesus, who is in me, live through me and love through me and speak through me that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Great and mighty is this treasure that dwells inside of you. And that's why spending time daily in the word and meditation and prayer is coming to the place where you're stretching your faith to see your identity in Christ. The more that you see who you are in Christ from what the word says, then you walk in that strength, in that word, in that power, in that authority, in that anointing, in that spirit, in that love, in that joy, and in that peace. So that the word 
is just, it becomes, God's word is his thinking, his thoughts, and now his thoughts become your thoughts. And when his thoughts become your thoughts, then your emotions become his emotions. And then when it goes from the thoughts to the emotions, then his will becomes your will. And you have strength to do what you could never do on your own. You have strength and power by the presence of the Holy Spirit to walk in the truth and to walk in the word of God and to walk in a way that is pleasing unto him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. Pastor Ray was influential in teaching us to make the Bible our manual for life. Nothing else was needed and nothing else mattered. He taught us to keep our eyes on Jesus, love God, our neighbors, and the Bible. We can't wait to see him again. God is good all the time. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years, and your prayers are cherished by the Bentley family. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com, or post a comment on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, I want to also mention, Jesus said, I didn't come to patch up anything. Jesus refuses the idea of patching uh, old things to make new things, and he also refuses the idea of patching all religions together in a world religion. There are well-meaning uh, people today, but yet I would say spiritually blind leaders who are suggesting today that we take the best of each religion and we blend the best of each religion with the best of Christianity and create a new patched together synthetic faith, I would call it, that everybody could accept. This is Jesus saying no, no patches. Jesus is unique. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through him. And read with me in Acts chapter four, verses 10 through 12. Let's read this out loud. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. The name of Jesus. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He did not come to patch up the old, but he came to bring new wine into new wineskins. Well, let's close with verses 23 through 27. It says, now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which was there within the temple in the holy place, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests? And also gave some to those who were with him. Because haven't you read that story? Sure, they knew that story. They knew David had done it. They knew that God had not condemned it. And they knew that David had broken the law that was given, for that was only for the priest to eat. 
So Jesus now applies that to what he's doing with his disciples. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, on this day, as they're walking, and it was on the Sabbath, and we'll, we'll find this several times as we go through Mark, there's a, there's a battle over the Sabbath. And the Messiah says, I came to fulfill the law. Uh, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Well, to fulfill it, you have to keep the Sabbath. God gave that to the Jewish people. And so they say, but you've broken that. They've gone and to them it was you're threshing and you're reaping and you're eating and you're working. And it says that clearly that you cannot do these things on the Sabbath. So Jesus then takes an illustration from their own scriptures where the king, David, who was running from Saul and came in to where the priests were and I need bread. His men were starving and hungry and they were running for their lives. And... Had then the priest forbade it, well, first of all, David would have taken it anyway, but had he tried to forbade it, these men would have starved. They would have been captured by Saul. There was an enemy that was pursuing them. So Jesus is giving a principle about the law and even the Sabbath that mercy is greater than sacrifice. And it's important that, that truth and love come together. I put this in your notes. We won't read it out loud. But Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in every respect grow up into him who is the head, the Messiah. Truth. The law says this. That's it. You cannot do that. But now here are the disciples with the bridegroom, enjoying life. And they are going all day. They're, I mean, it's probably so exciting to see these miracles happening. They probably either didn't eat or forgot to eat. Have you ever been so excited you forgot to eat? And it's not until later and your stomach's making so much noise that people around you hear it. And, here they're just, and so they're out in the middle of nowhere, so excited out of their minds to be with the, Jesus. They're still learning in, uh, who he is, his power and his authority. And they are hungry. But they are with him being trained to bring the message of the Messiah and the kingdom and the gospel to the world, to bring salvation to the world. And there are those who are on the run in these cities and villages that I am, I am going to. The devil is pursuing them to overtake them and to destroy them. Even as his disciples were bringing them life, they're kind of like David's army, Christ being like David. And Jesus teaches that human need takes precedence over ceremonial concern for the Sabbath. Compassion. Listen, and this principle can be applied in any generation, in any situation you can think of. There is nothing to the heart of our Father in heaven more spiritual than being compassionate to those who are suffering. Jesus maybe is violating here something in a way, but based upon scripture and precedence, even when David did it, to show the heart of God the Father that mercy is greater even than sacrifice. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13 is in your notes. These are the words of Jesus. Let's read this out loud. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now that's from the Gospel of Matthew chapter nine, but Jesus is quoting in the end there, 
I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He is quoting Hosea chapter six, verse six, which he does several times. I desire mercy. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, be merciful. The Hebrew word for mercy is chesed. It means loving kindness. It means compassion. It means acts of love. In the parable where Jesus pitted the, you know, the good Samaritan, and there's a guy that got beat up and robbed, and he's on the side of the road, and there is a priest that walks by, but he would ceremonially become unclean to get involved with this, so in order to keep the ceremony of the law and keep myself good, he walked on by. And then a Levite came by. The whole tribe was called to be to serve the house of the Lord. And also, I could cross the road, that poor man, he might have thought if I could only help him, but again, I would become ceremonially unclean, he passes by. The Samaritan, he's not even a Jew, he doesn't even have the word of God or the law of God, but in his own nature and within his own heart, he says, this guy got beat up and robbed. If I don't have compassion on him, he could die in the street. How would I sleep at night? He goes, he gets him, he picks him up, he puts him on his mule, he takes him to an inn, he says, bandages up his wounds, spend the night, I'll pay for it when I come back. And what did Jesus say? He said, the good Samaritan who showed mercy is the one who honored the word of God, the will of God, and the nature of our Father in heaven. Be like the good Samaritan. Not what appearances are, but mercy and compassion. And nothing is so spiritual as showing compassion to others in the eyes of our Father and in the eyes of our Lord. Amen? You know, we are living in uh, some challenging and difficult days, and um, in many ways, uh, how many are aware there's a spiritual battle raging? And people, spiritually, they look fine on the outside, but if you could see their soul, they've got bandages on their heads and they've got broken limbs and wounded, and if, if spiritually we could see that. And I think in many ways, um, we are living in a generation and in a time where every home, wherever you live, needs to be, just put a red cross on it. Your home is now the red cross. And your food, is whoever needs a meal. And your shelter becomes a shelter of those that are suffering and in need. And if in any way you can show kindness and mercy and love and compassion, Jesus said, and this is interesting in God's accounting, so much so that you see someone who is thirsty and you give them a cup of cold water, there's an angel, he just gave a cup of cold, we'll write that down, we're gonna reward that. If he notices even a cup of cold water to a thirsty little boy or girl, it's important. Compassion is important. The world, the Bible says in the last days that the hearts of men and women grow cold. The love of many shall wax cold. And we see evidence of it every day, the heartlessness, the cruelty, the meanness of this world. How will God's love and compassion come through? Through his body. And that's who you and I are, the church. You are his hands, his feet, his eyes, his love, his compassion, his ability to speak and act in words and actions of kindness and love. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with a call to compassion and mercy, especially in the times in which we live. Good insight today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled Beautiful Mercy. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com.
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.